bad snap again. Donald corrals it, and he's picked off. On the return, it's Baker, and Baker scores! That all started with the snap. You are now listening to the Jetstream, the official New York Jets podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome to the Jetstream, the official New York Jets podcast of Gotham Sports Network. My name is Andrew Claudio. I wish I could say that this is going to be a happy episode. Uh, But no, as (laughs) most of our time, at least my time as a New York Jets fan, this will not be a happy 40 minutes or however long this episode will be uh, because that's just how it seems to go. And I was ready from from the second the game ended on Sunday to come on here and rant about this coach and this offensive coordinator and even spend a little bit of time on this quarterback. Uh, but then breaking news happens, and apparently something news to us was also news to the coach recently um, <sighs> that this quarterback might not even be playing on Sunday. So let's bring in my co-host, uh, Lead Jets writer here at Gotham Sports Network, Jesse Finver. Um, Jesse, <laughs> the pain. Oh man, there's just no, there's nothing, there's nothing to say at this point, man. Like, I had Giants fans just talking trash to me all day, and there was just nothing I could say. Which is crazy because they're what? Well, what you can say is one in seven. Like that's what no, you can but like say it doesn't matter. Seven. They've seen a Super Bowl. I have that over me. They have, they've they have two Super Bowls they got to enjoy in their lifetime, and I have absolutely nothing. I got squat. Well, that's what you then say to them. Go watch your 2011 DVD. I'll worry about my future while you still have no future in your quarterback but position. But here's the but, but here's the thing, for Giants fans, for any other fan base, it's. It's fine. You, you, I don't care if they talk trash, but for Giants fans, it hurts extra because for the entirety of Sam Darnold's career, he will always be compared to how well Saquon Barkley is playing, and Saquon's always going to be great. So if Darnold isn't good, then Jets fans no longer have that, wow, I can't believe you drafted a running back over Sam Darnold on the Giants, and <laughs> we got nothing. <laughs> well, I would argue that Sam Donald Dorezzi has three wins in his professional career and Saquon Barkley has one. You got to work on your how you argue against Giant fans. They're one in seven and, and one of the biggest laughing stocks in the NFL right now. So I'm just a that's, a, that's neither here nor there. I'm just beaten and battered at this point. And well, that's, that's, that's true. Now, that's a fact. And like, let's get into this injury because uh, it was reported. Er- Speaking of beaten and battered. It was purported earlier today. Uh, Rich Samini was one of the first to have it. I know all the Jets writers. Uh, I think it was Brian Costello that had it first. So Costello, apparently uh, Sam Donald showed up today to practice with a walking boot. And ironically, was watching today's practice next to Spencer Long. Um, I tried to get the timeline of what happened. So apparently he got hurt in the Jets game on Sunday against the Dolphins in the fourth quarter. Uh, it wasn't serious, and with most of these injuries that aren't that serious, uh, adrenaline was involved, so he didn't feel it at the time. Like, it wasn't bad, so it really only would have been something you have to come out of the game for if it was significant. So he was fine. He left the game. The adrenaline was still up, so you didn't feel anything. 
Well, uh, they, they did. I, I saw a tweet from Connor Hughes that said in the press box uh, there was a noticeable limp on Darnold coming right, to the side. Right, but my point but, being but, that he it was nothing that made him come out of the game, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I mean, we also have a coach who's clueless, so – I mean, I mean we'll get even if it was bad enough for him to come out of the game, he would have left him in because it's the same thing he did with the center. Uh, yeah. But that's Ugh. but let me continue. Um, he comes out of the game uh, – after the game, he does some tests, and everything seems okay. Monday, he does some more tests, and it's significantly worse. Monday night, Bulls becomes aware of the injury, and it doesn't seem that serious. Today, it happens, uh, and – it's now reported that he's going to be out. Josh McCown, uh, he hasn't been officially listed as out, but Josh McCown is now taking first-team reps. Davis Webb is being notified that he's going to be the number two quarterback on Sunday to back up Josh McCown, <laughs> which is we might actually have a chance to see jo- uh, Davis Webb play football for the New York Jets in 2018. We may have, if Davis Webb wins a game, then Mike Francesa's, Mike Francesa's head explodes on right. the spot. Now that's <laughs> funny. If Davis Webb, there you go for your Giants fans. Like, wow, we have two quarterbacks that you could have had over uh, on our team and that one football game for our team. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, Jesse, what is the most disheartening part of this, this whole, all the news that broke today? Uh, um, Costello also did clarify that it doesn't seem to be significant and with the buy coming up next week it doesn't look like he's going to miss that much time but what's the most disheartening part for you um i think it's the cluelessness of bowls but like i i i had a spin zone this morning that uh and a group chat that i'm in i think that what's going on here is that the jets have a buy next week and they're just sitting Darnold to, to, to rest him, rest his mind and get him back on track. Um, he may, he may very well have some sort of foot injury, but I think on a regular week, um, in, in a different situation where the, uh, the jets are playing better. Um, he'll probably just play on it. Cause I mean, he was able to finish the game on it. You know, um, I think that this is just an opportunity and excuse to kind of sit him down and get his head straight, get the bye next week, get healthy um, mentally and physically, uh, and the rest of your skill position players can get healthy as well. So I think that that, that was my spin zone. Um, like I said, he very may he very may well be injured. Um, but like Estella said, it's not serious. So yeah, I I, I think uh, to answer your question, I think uh, the most disheartening thing is is Bowles not having any idea if this is actually the case and he's actually hurt. Um, because not only is it this, but it's this on top of all the things that he messed up on Sunday. Well, we'll get into Sunday. We'll get into Sunday later. No, I know. I know. No, no, I know. So, but like having this occur, not knowing that your quarterback was hurt on top of everything that he already did that we'll get to in a little bit. That's really just, I mean, it, it, to me, it's the final straw. Well, the spin zone I'd actually go to isn't that – and it has nothing to do with Darnold's well-being or his development. It's exactly that, that he – like, I'm not – I'm with you. I'm not doubting that he is actually hurt. But now you put a Darnold out there that isn't at 100%, and you continue to mismanage this quarterback with poor play calling, predictable play calling, a bad offensive line, and no weapons – I think the spin zone is that Bowles is doing this to save his job. 
because I don't see a way that if they lose on Sunday against the Bills, one of the worst offenses I've ever seen, if, by the if way. Like, if the, they lose to Nathan Peterman, there's no way do. he makes it through the bye. So yeah, that's the spin zone. Do. He's doing this to save his job. If they do lose to the Bills, he's fired on Monday. He may even be fired after the game. I'm serious. That's that's how bad it's gotten because I think Christopher Johnson is not an idiot. I think that he he understands the I mean it, he understands the frustration. You can see it in the players. Jamal Adams liked a tweet saying, you know, the Dallas Cowboys should offer Jamal Adams the entire <laughs> all of Fort Knox in 2020. You know, uh, things are not good on one Jets drive right now, and I think Christopher Johnson understands that. Now, maybe maybe McCagnan survives, but if the Jets lose to the Bills, Todd Bowles will no longer be the head coach of the New York Jets come Monday morning. Which leads to our next point. Um, he's got to go because it's not yeah. like he, he he needs to no longer be the New York Jets head coach as of Thursday morning when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Jesse, I was able to look at the ten and five start that he had to his career. And always hold on to that as he's a coach that can get wins out of a talented roster. But we're now at the point. How many more weeks in a row do I have to say what's with the predictable play calling? What's with running the ball on first down all these times? What's with, what's the, with running the ball on second and eight right up the middle calling the same play twice? Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm out on Jeremy Bates. Like, he has to go too. I'm done with his play calling because – like when you have such a poor offensive line, you can't be so heavy on run running the ball in first or second and I guess second and third and long situations. Like you keep setting up your quarterback to fail, and like the biggest problem I have, and why Bowles has to go, why Bates has to go, why honestly maybe this whole regime just needs to go, is uh, yeah. how they are messing up the development of this quarterback. I now if we, as we start to transition into Sunday's game and and. What went wrong against the Dolphins? Uh, the way we've done it the last couple weeks is I give you a couple reasons why they lost. And okay. we can talk about Spencer Long. We can talk about Darnold. We can talk about the missed field goal. But I think it's just clear that this is on the coach. Like, this is on coaching. So it's Bull's fault. Like, the number one reason is Bull's fault. But there's three subheadings, Jesse. So I'll give you three oh. options. Okay. Uh, Spencer Long has to be mentioned first because the only thing I wrote next to Spencer Long was just bruh. Like the guy had seven <laughs> bad snaps. Like the, like he said. No, it was 14. It was 14 or 15. That right. He, I that saw it the tweet. It, I, know, I saw the tweet. Every center has a snap that goes a little left or a little right like that has somewhat bad snaps like that. There were seven noticeable ones that made Darnold do something that were out of the ordinary. Like the one that went over his head when he's 6'4 is still amazing to me. Um, Makes but, no sense. But Spencer Long, which amazingly, like this quote from him that he – here, let me pull up the quote real quick. Uh, Spencer Long took the blame for staying in the game despite obvious issues with the shotgun snaps. Uh, the decision-making, here's the quote, the decision-making and communication needs to be better on my end. It wasn't anybody else's fault. I just tried to stick it out there because I want to do the best I can for this team. Sometimes you have to play smarter, not harder. Uh, and then the note after that is that he re-injured his middle finger while engaged with alignment in the fourth quarter. 
my guy, you were way injured before the fourth quarter. <laughs> because as of the second quarter is when I started to notice, huh, that's a bad snap. And then by the third quarter, it's, whoa, that's a really bad snap. Then you threw a football through your legs over a 6'4 human being. That, like, I'm sorry, dude. You were way injured before the fourth quarter. So Spencer oh. Long is option one. Uh, the Jason Myers field goal miss. Now, it's not really on him, but let me go through the sequence with you, with you, Jesse, of what happened leading up to that Jason Myers field goal miss. The Jets had first and 10 at the 23. Can you guess what they did on first down, Jesse? Oh, they ran the ball up the middle. They, they ran the ball up the middle. Now, this, one, <laughs> this is one that worked uh, for three yards plus three. They're now second and seven at the 20. What follows is a Cam Wake sack that loses seven yards. The Jets now have third and 14 at the 30. What follows is a delay of game. By the way, bad snap from Spencer Long. So not only did he not take the, get the ball off in time, he got it off like a, a three-hopper to Darnold. So it was actually Ugh. fortunate. So it's now fourth, third and 19 at the 32. Uh, another bad snap to Darnold. And this is the Jeremy Curse drop because he was just rushing to get the ball and he threw it a little high and behind him. So Myers now, in all of this chaos and incompetence, what should have been a 37-yard field goal on second down, goes to fourth down being a 50-yarder on a field that was drenched and tore up the night before in Miami against Duke. I say the 50-yard field goal because it would have made it seven. It would have made it six-six, but I'm more blaming the coach and the sequence of events leading up to it. Yes, I agree. The last option is Darnold. Like, say, like, we can blame it on the coach and the circumstances around him. He also just did play poorly. Four interceptions. Uh, it wasn't just poorly. It was it was god-awful. It was, like, it was, it was Mark Sanchez-esque type of bit. Like, mm. boneheaded, boneheaded. I, I have no idea. Just I, Like, I, I look back through all my videos uh, the other day, and I just have no idea what he was looking at on some of these throws. Just Kiko Alonso is just right there. Drop him back into coverage. <laughs> Maybe because the jersey is similar color to the field. Like That's the only explanation. There's no other explanation for why Sam Darnold made some of the throws that he did other than uh, that's it. That, that, there's nothing. Well, it, the worst part about them, I can understand. Like early in Sanchez's career, he was high with his throws. And as a result, balls were getting tipped, you know, and. There are interceptions we look at all the time with the good quarterbacks, and we say that's not their fault. A receiver ran a bad route, um, a tipped ball that lands in the other team's end zone, like uh, the other other team's hands. Um, Nathan Peterman, as much crap as we gave him, Terrell Pryor had a ball in his chest that bounced out of his chest and into a bear uh, safety's arms and was ran back for a touchdown. So I can't really blame Nathan Peterman for that interception. These four interceptions from Darnold were perfect passes to the other team. If you looked yeah. at the like they're in their chest. If you and he you could actually look more. at it, you could actually look at it that Darnold went twenty five for thirty nine because he completed four perfect passes to the Dolphins. And and he should have had two more interceptions that were dropped. Exactly. That's so that's how bad he was. I, I detailed it all in my article this week. It was it was a it just. It was just awful. The man. last two, awful. I will say, were on fourth down in the fourth quarter. So they were like, but that's they, still they work the more other like two. punts, is what I'm saying. Like I'm not but as even, they're, they're, even they're so, in the stat sheet. I get you, but they were no, 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 like punts. Gonna, 
that's not what I was going to say. I'm saying even so, he still should have had two more picked off. So Dang instead God. of six interceptions, should have been four then because those were two punts. Sure, but it's still no matter what would have been four interceptions, and it still is awful. So, so is he your biggest reason? So, yes. I, I would say Sam Darnold was the biggest reason why the Jets lost. The defense played really well. Uh, I mean, they did everything well besides turn the ball over. Um, but, like, you know, sometimes that just doesn't happen. Uh, I wish it happened because you're playing against Brock Osweiler. You should be able to get some turnovers. But I just don't think that the defense is on that level yet um, for some reason. You know, I mean, just they're just not there. Uh, but, yeah, Sam Darnold was just absolutely atrocious. Like I said before, the, that first interception when he threw right, right to Kiko Alonso, I, it was just beyond frustrating. Um, and all of them were really frustrating. But but at the same time that Sam Darnold is the biggest – I think he was the biggest issue because he was straight up bad – he, he also got no help, you know, no help from the play calling, no help from Todd Bowles, no help from his wide receivers. Jermaine Curse is awful and keeps on dropping passes, and I want him off the team. Um, and, I mean— He looks disinterested uh, in this team. Like, he looks like he doesn't want to play football right now. Yeah, and, and like, Robbie Anderson, I don't remember if his name was called even once. Quincy Nunwa had, a, like, a, a nice standout catch, but, he, I mean, he just he wasn't getting open, really. Um, but, like, all right, Brian Baldinger— uh, former NFL player, and now he's an analyst for NFL Network, uh, does really good breakdowns, um, and, and he loves to, to break down the Jets especially. Uh, and he did a bunch. And one of the big issues they had was, uh, so one of his tweets, he goes, what should Sam Darnold do here? Where should he go with the football? And, and basically, it's, it's, it's second and nine in a 3 nothing game, and they go spread offense. And he says that they want him. He wants them to just hand the ball off to Crow, which I've been criticizing that play call, running the ball on second and eight, you know, mm-hmm. um, because and, and normally that's a good play call, but the Jets' offensive line is 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 so bad right now that you're not getting any push. So second and eight becomes second and nine. I mean, third and nine, some most of the time, you know. So he's saying, why throw the ball here on a spread offense? And they did it. And and I bring this up because he had a tweet ten minutes later, and it was like they did the exact same thing again. You know, it's the fourth quarter. It's a 6-3 game. It's second and seven, and you decide to go spread offense, and he gets sacked on both plays because the, the wide receivers know, I mean, the, the cornerbacks know that the wide receivers are going to be doing short stuff, and the quarterback's going to be looking for a check down, especially a rookie quarterback, you know? Mm-hmm. So they, have, they, they know what's happening, and then you have Cam Wake coming off the edge that just takes Darnold out. So obviously, I've been criticizing that play call, I think Brian Baldinger knows a little bit more about football than I do. So uh, I'll agree with him there that, sure, yeah, maybe you hand the ball off the crow in that specific situation, um, even though I would like to see them throw the ball more in those situations. But it is, it is, but, but the thing is, it, it's the play calling because they called the same thing twice after it didn't work the first time. You know, he's not getting any help in these situations is my point. Jeremy Bates is, and we've been harping on this, his, his play calling has been so unimaginative that the Miami Dolphins, whose secondary is just destroyed with injuries right now, was able to pick that up in a second. They knew exactly what was going on because there's no creativity in the play calling. Well, the I'd actually disagree. Here's where I'll disagree with Bolding. Like, in theory, yeah, you should do that, but not when you have the personnel. Like, that works exactly. if you have that's, that, that's Aaron Rodgers and Todd Brady or Pat Mahomes or yeah, Pat Mahomes' weapons. You, de- you hand it off to Deion Lewis or or who, or Aaron Jones, and, you, and you, you get your four or five yards to make it third and three. But the Jets can't do that because they don't have, they don't have to respect Sam Darnold in that situation because he's a rookie. 
So they just send the house and they stop the run on second and nine. It becomes third and nine. And like I said, when you spread the ball out like that, they know exactly what's going to happen then too. Yeah. There's no – it's, it's a it, – Football is a game of cat and mouse between the offensive and defensive coordinators. And Jeremy Bates, ah. Bates is is getting destroyed right now. He is he, – <laughs> He's got to go. He's one of the, he's another Tom, one that's got to go. But it's like Tom and Jerry, but he's Tom. You know, and Jerry just keeps <laughs> – and the mouse just keeps on killing the cat. That's well, how embarrassing it is. Okay. So one thing we need to stop doing – or I just I need to stop seeing on the internet when it comes to this quarterback – Stop bringing up Peyton Manning. Like, stop bringing up that Peyton Manning led the league in interceptions his rookie year. That cannot be the go-to move when your quarterback plays poorly his rookie season. Jamarcus Russell led the league in interceptions his rookie year. Mark Sanchez led the league in interceptions. Like, oh, here's the probably the worst thing that I can tell you right now, Jesse, about the Sam Darnold's first nine games. So, through their first nine career games, oh, no. Oh, no. Mark no. Sanchez had nine oh, no, touchdowns no, no. and 12 interceptions. Geno Smith, his first oh, no. nine career games, had 10 touchdowns Stop. and 13 interceptions. Sam no. Darnold, through his first nine games, 11 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Oh, no. They're <laughs> on the exact same career path, Jesse. Like, almost, like, stat for stat, they're on the exact same path. And here's Stop. the problem. Stop telling me this. <laughs> here's the problem, Jesse. And it actually may end up being a silver lining. Because the Jets can clean house with the coaching staff, and they're fine. Sanchez benefited that the moment he – they got to a point his rookie year, and they said, dude, we have a good running game. We have an offensive line of five first-rounders. Uh, we have an elite defense. You have one job the rest of the year. Don't turn the ball over. And at a certain point, he just said, hey, I just got to hand the ball off. I'm good. They're only asking me to throw the ball seven or eight yards. I'm good. And he didn't turn the ball over from week seven, week 15, until the AFC Championship game. His last pass was an interception. Um, like, he finally got it. Like, I just have one job. Don't turn the ball over. That's Max, you're wrong. He, threw, he turned the ball over once against the Chargers, too. But I digress. Um, Mark Saint just won four playoff games. Yes, he did. And he won through. <laughs> okay, but here I'm going with this. Because his development, Mark Sanchez, um, they gave, they simplified it for him and said, we're not going to ask you to do too much. We're going to ask you just you have one job, don't turn the ball over, and we're going to ride the defense and the offensive line and the running game. You have one job the rest of the year. His second year, they give him a little bit more uh, freedom. You know, the leash gets a little longer. They say, all right, you now have a Hall of Famer in your backfield with Ladinian Tomlinson. You still have an elite offensive line. We've added pieces to this defense. We're going to bring in Brilliant Edwards and, uh, and Santonio Holmes. So now you have weapons to play with. They open up the playbook a little bit. He develops a little more. Then, now here's the problem, is what happened with Mark Sanchez. They then said, okay, now take over, and stopped developing him. And with Rex... That was always his biggest problem is that he never developed a quarterback. He didn't know how to. He was a defensive guy. He was way more uh, into how can I develop how to blitz eight guys in one play so that way Brady has no clue where to throw or make it look like I'm blitzing eight. Like, how can I get 11 cornerbacks on at the same time? <laughs> that was Rex. It's, I look, my blitz package. Oh, they'll never figure out what I'm doing here. But they never developed Mark Sanchez. Now, Sanchez was able to benefit from 
I have an elite offensive line of all first-rounders. I have a Hall of Fame running back. I have two wide receivers that can go off for 11 catches at any time, and I have an elite defense. Sam Darnold has to worry about the snap coming to him cleanly in a mo in, in like with no weapons that get open. How many times on Sunday did you see a jet wide receiver open? None. Zero. Exactly. Never. Which is why I think we are officially at the point. I don't want to see this guy develop like Geno Smith and Mark Sanchez. This we... whole thing has to be wiped out. Clean house, Jesse. They got to go. It has to happen or else are they're going to sure? waste this quarterback too. Are we sure Robbie Anderson and Quincy Nunn were good football players? I think they're hurt right now. Like, I saw them when they were healthy. The Jets blew out the Colts and blew out the Lions and blew out, and they won a game. Who'd they beat week four? Somebody. To go to uh, two. They were one and two. They, they the beat Denver. Then they beat Denver. Like, I saw them when they were good. Like, I've seen these guys be good, is my point. I think in the right offense with the – and that's – we talked about this last week, Jesse. With the right head coach that's an offensive mind that would fit today's NFL strategy of we have a guy that comes in to run the offense and be creative to scheme guys open. Like, that's really the, the way the, the Rams are winning these games. And the, the um, yeah, honest, okay, that's actually the example I want to go to. The Rams are winning these games. <laughs> everybody's wide open, so Jared Goff has one job. And, like, that's even a better example. Last year, wasn't Sean McVay calling the plays in his helmet at the line? Like, it was basically Sean McVay was playing Madden. Something like that. With Jared Something Goff. like that, yeah. But here's the thing. Jared Goff, it, it's not like, yeah, like, they're asking him to do one thing. Just be good. I, I think well, that he is, he is a good quarterback. Is what I'm saying. Like, they, they did simplify it, it but, like, the guy's still making, like, ridiculous throws. Like, this it's year. pretty clear. Yeah, this year, and he was pretty solid last year, too. He was much better this year, though. But last uh, year, think... my point is that they simplified it so much that it was like, listen, you don't have to worry about reading coverages. You don't have to worry about calling out audibles. Yeah. You have a Todd Gurley in your backfield, and you have wide receivers that are going to get schemed open. You just have to hit them when they're open. That's what they need to do with the, with the next head coach that will come in and do the same thing for Sanchez. It, oh, wow, I just did that. For Jesus, Darnold. come on. No. No, no, don't do that ever again. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like, like we're, let me ask you. Yeah, I see, I see. Did at any point on Sunday when Donald was throwing the ball to the other team consistently, um, at any point did you start to go, maybe he's not the guy? Like, how, like where are you on the Donald confidence meter right now? Still at 100%. Still, he's the guy. Yeah. You didn't have any Sanchez flashbacks, because I did. Oh, I did. But I think that this situation is going to change, and things will get better. Because um, I think that Christopher Johnson is a lot smarter than Woody is. And I, I think that it's very clear he's working with shit right now. And I think that was the first time I've cursed on a podcast on this on this, ah, on this channel in welcome, a very long time. But he's playing like absolute crap. And I think that we've all seen what he's capable of. What what he's capable of is is significantly higher than anything that Mark Sanchez was able was capable of, or Geno Smith. The throws, the level of throws that he's made that he made that he's made this season. Uh, and, and it's not it's no one was singing Mark Sanchez's praises 
like a lot of the analysts this year have been singing Sam Darnold's praises. Now the mainstream, yeah, the mainstream, the mainstream analysts, you're going to see like Stephen A, like those guys, they're going to be like, like, look, they're going to be just looking at his stats and being like, this guy stinks. Box score scouts, yeah. Yeah, but when you look at when you when when you when you actually do a little research and you dig a little bit and you watch his film, um, obviously you want to bury the tape against Miami, uh, when, when, uh, the Miami tape and even the Chicago tape. Um, uh, I, I think that it's he's shown enough that he he's a he's going to be a good quarterback, and 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 guys like Brian Baldinger and Dan Orlovsky wouldn't be saying this if if they didn't think that. Like I mean, it, they're they're legitimate. NFL talent evaluators. They've both played in the NFL. Um, I, I trust those guys' opinions over Stephen A. Smith, who right. Been, look, been, look, yells, you, know? you don't got to convince me that Stephen A. Smith doesn't know what he's talking about. Like I'm, I'm right on board with you. Um, I, like I'm with you on. I, I'm not out on. It's, it's scarily enough. It's similar to the Knicks situation with Nilakina. I'm not out. On the kid, I'm not. I do think there is signs there. I think I have way more confidence in Darnold than I do in the project that is Frank Nilakina running an offense. But with Darnold, I think it really does come back to coaching. They're asking way too much of this kid in his rookie season, and it's not even that they're asking him to carry an an offense, a struggling offense like no, they are. But my point is, like they do, they do. Like, it's a very simple offense, but again, he has to worry if the snap's going to hit him in the chest. When the interception for the pick six in the fourth quarter, yeah, it was a bad throw. Throw was also, the, the snap was also at his face. Like, he had to worry about catching it first. And when you have an offensive line that gives you a half second less than everybody else in the league, you know you have to get rid of it quick, and he rushed the throw. So, I don't think, like, I'm not out on Donald. I think. Those of us that have watched every minute of this season, like you and me and most of Jets Twitter, we know that the situation around him is so bad that you can't be out on this guy. You can't box score scout on his stats and say, you know, he's bad, he's a bust, uh, look, the Giants were better off not taking him. Like, put... Put him with Odell and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and look at where the Giants would be right now. They'd be much better. I'll tell you that much. They'd, they'd be much better. In this week, and they're like, oh, NFC the Giants East. offense. They'd be like, oh, the Giants offensive line stinks. Well, it, it, I think it's a little bit better than the Jets, and that's saying something. One. And two, uh, Eli Manning can't move. So, yeah. I mean, Darnold would have avoided some of those sacks, at least. He's much you know, like, better than Eli at this point in his career at avoiding pressure, is yes. what I would say. Yes. Um, when did when did Harrison come in for long? Fourth quarter. It was after the pick six because that's the last snap that Donald had. So it was on the field oh, goal no, no, drive. No, it was after the field goal because on the field goal drive was the throw, the snap that went over his head. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because the the snap that went over Donald's head made it second because there was holding on the play. Like Donald got rid of it, and then the next play was a bad snap. Uh, you know, they really they did play better in the second half. I'm looking at the scoring oh, drives right now. The worst part about the second half, Jesse, how many plays do you think the Dolphins ran in Jets territory? I think maybe two or three. They ran one play in Jets territory in the second yeah. half. The Dolphins. The Jets did. defense played lights out. Yeah, we talked about it at the beginning. They were the Jets defense 
was fantastic. Um, Seven first downs for the Dolphins, 168 total yards. Yeah, you know, they, they got pressure on the quarter, but they, they, the Jets' defense played well. Um, I, I think that this defense needs some more playmakers, obviously. Um, not enough well, players. Not there's not a, there's not enough there's not enough ball hawks on the guys who are who are hungry for the ball. See, um, I actually disagree with that. I just don't think like they three weeks ago we were talking about how they were leading the league in inter, in turnovers. I think just the, the Jets last defense is, Jets defense is well coached. Todd Bull has coached that defense well. He does. He's a defensive coordinator. But, yeah, you know that that's what he does well. But that's 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 Rex Ryan 2.0. That's not what the Jets need. The Jets haven't dra- all right. From 2010 to 2017, the Jets did not draft a single offensive player in the first round. They've had a defensive head coach every single one of their years. Yeah. For those years. No, it's about time. It's about the Jets offense has been mediocre for 20 years. Well, it really has been. I, I don't count Mark as, San, any of Mark Sanchez's years as, as a, a, a good offense. I, I would argue his first and second year, they had an incredible offensive line and a good running game. That's that, yeah, but that's not a complete offense. Well, I hear what you're saying, but you said good offense. Like, they had they led the league in rushing <laughs> in his for his rookie season. You're yeah, talking well, I, about the Drew Brees level of good offense, where you could beat the we they can beat you with your arm and on the ground. Yeah, that's how a complete football team plays. You know, I, the Jets haven't had that in. Not my disagreeing lifetime. with uh, that. I don't disagree with. I was just pointing out they actually did have a good offense. His rookie. Year. In, this is this is a league that has become so offensively yeah. like offensive centric. Now, yes. Yeah. So having a defensive minded head coach, I think, is malpractice. Which look, we agree on that. Like they gotta get rid of the coach. Like they are at we have reached the point of they gotta get rid of the coach. It's not just Bulls. It's Rex too. The Jets can't hire a defensive minded coach as their next coach. It has to Which, be offensive minded. They need to get with the times. That we talked about this last week. What offensive minded coach would you want to get? Like I don't know who's available at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, like the Lincoln Riley's been thrown around, but I doubt that he would go to, the, uh, like, I doubt he would leave Oklahoma. Um, there's Bruce Arians who only wants to coach for coach for the Browns. Um, you know, God bless his soul. Good luck with that. Which is weird um, that everybody wants to go get, um, everybody wants to go coach uh, Mayfield over. Probably just because that job's available. That's the thing. I wonder if the Jets made the ho- head coaching job available. Would it start to become an attractive position? Like, would you start hearing the same rumors about the Jets' job? Yeah, I think I think it would become an attractive destination. I think there are a lot of people, and there there are smart people who who know that Sam Darnold has something. And I agree. Uh, there there are people that are going to want to be able to come in and and develop him. There there are people out there who are plotting right now. Like, wow, like if I got a kid like that, like what the things I could do with him, you know. So two questions before I move on to the Bills. Um, if the Jets clean house, which we've called for a couple times, does McCagnan have to go? Yeah, he does. Because then you're just going to get into the cycle. I think we mentioned this a little bit last week. Because I, you asked uh, me this it's, last it's week, vicious, does McCagnan vicious, get another year? It's a vicious cycle at this point. You need a fresh start. You need a GM. You hire a GM. You fire Bulls. After, mm-hmm. This season, hopefully, in the midseason. And then you have your interim head coach, whoever, throw Casey Rogers in there. You know, he's earned it. And then 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hire a GM who picks it. And like I'm laughing because it's just so simple, but for some reason they won't do it. The, you hire a GM who picks his guy, an offensive mind. Like I want. <laughs> this sounds so dumb, but like I want my GM to like look like Brody Van Wagger and like like be a sharp <laughs> guy who like like you want to root for who's gonna like galvanize like like a like a Theo Epstein like like who's gonna galvanize the franchise and be like all right things are changing it sounds like you want a younger GM yeah I want a young GM who who has just the most crazy and ridiculously innovative ideas that you can possibly find and someone who wants to who wants to be there to develop Sam Darnold who believes that he is the guy you know the GM the GM has to hire a coach Whoever the GM is, because honestly, I think that the Jets, I had the Jets at seven, seven or eight wins. I had them. I have a bet with my friend, fifty to win five hundred, right? Mm-hmm. If the if the Jets win eight or more games, I win five hundred. Oh, I could. I also I have the Jets over at, Jeez, Jesse. I also have the Jets over at six wins. I don't think they reach either at this point right now. That's how I... bad. That's how bad they're playing. They, yeah. If they start. Proving they, they there are games at the end of the season where they they can they can reach those those totals, but as of right now, no shot, no shot at all. They go six and two the rest of the way. Well, yeah, to get the eight obviously. games, yeah, there's no way. I they have to win three more games to get to six. They play the Bills twice. Um, I I Wait, so I don't I'm not think gonna, they go like five, five and, and eleven. Either. Well, obviously, I'm not saying eight. I'm talking about the six over. Like I'm talking yeah. About, about getting a push at six and ten. Um, look, as far as as far as McCagnan goes, there is so just clear a gap between his ability to acquire free agents like he did his first year as the Jets GM and, and to use cap space and his drafting ability. Um, and the lack of talent that's on his football team, I think this Sunday, losing to Brock Osweiler, which... Look, we can talk about how they didn't force any turnovers. Adam Gase literally went out there with a game plan of Brock Osweiler's not losing this game for me. Like They had very little creativity in their play calling. They scored six points, and the only reason they were in field goal range twice was because of one interception and one drive that had involved the holding penalty, involved the face mask penalty. So I would argue that maybe McKay... See, yes. I keep going back to, to go. there's no talent on the roster, Andrew. I there's keep going nobody. back to less. Look at his draft record. And I agree. Like I'm this was the first time where I was like, they they are a, they have such a good defense. Like the Jets, like their defense played so well on Sunday. And there's just like the offensive line is bad. The wide receivers can't get open. And like the running back, when they're playing the Colts or the Broncos, apparently are great, but the rest of the season they're not that great. The um, Jets haven't had a pass rush. In our lifetimes. Uh, again, revisionist history. 2015, they had one of the best pass rushes in football. With that offense. No, because they schemed it, but they have not had a an elite pass rusher. Leonard Williams, Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad no, Wilkinson. Those that guys, offensive, that, that pass no, rush was They're good. not, pa- but they're, those aren't pass rushers. What are you talking they're, about? The, all right. There's a difference between a defensive tackle mm-hmm. who can get to the quarterback and a pass rusher who can play D-end or outside linebacker that can blow past you or can overpower you. So Sean right? Ellis and Chris Jenkins and all the guys that happened in the late 2000s. Those are like run-stuffing 
Those are th- that's a, those. All right, Sean Ellis was a three-four run stuffer. Okay. What about John and Abraham Muhammad, then? John Abraham is the last guy that that, that they had. So was a, that's that was a the great, guy you're talking about. Pass, okay. That was a great pass rusher. Before him, what was it Mark Gastineau? Like, come on. Oh, there hasn't there hasn't been a history that for for all the Jets. If you had to characterize the Jets, uh, is it offensive or a defensive team throughout their history? You'd characterize them as a defensive team. The past 20 years, they've been defensive. Their, mo- their most famous nickname as an organization was the New York Sack Exchange. Mm-hmm. Okay? So th- I think that they the Jets are known as a defense-first team historically. Where's, where's the pa- where are the elite pass rushers? Sean Ellis is an, it was a great 3-4 defensive end who, who had one fantastic game in the AFC Divisional Round and dominated the Patriots offensive line and won that game for the Jets. Other than that, he never really got to the quarterback. Chris Jenkins, run stuffer. Mohamed Wilkerson, 3-4 defensive end, same as Sean Ellis, maybe a little bit better. Sheldon Richardson, an undersized D-tackle. He is not even close to Aaron Donald. And, and Leonard Williams disappears all the time. Yeah, that happens. That all <laughs> actually happens the all the time. Um, okay, now, good point. You sold me. Um, I will remind everybody that they Calvin had the sec- they had the second they had the second best offer for Kulo Mack, and Gruden wanted to trade <laughs> outside of the conference. So, um, Calvin Pace had like eight sacks one year, and Jets fans are like, um, "Woo, pass rush!" I remember. Um, I mean, yeah. The whole the, the entire Rex regime, they were incredible secondary and then run stoppers. So they were very good against the run. Um, so I agree. And you would just have these exotic blitzes and scheme and scheme sacks. No, there are a lot of trust me. I re, I remember the Rex regime well. Um, the only thing in my mind that could save McCagnan for like for me specifically is. It's not even anything he did. It's it's the less need model. Uh, what how he saved his job in L.A. and basically said, "I need more than one head coach to get this right." Um, you know, like he when he took yeah. over uh the job with the Rams, uh, he hired like Jeff Fisher was his first choice. I guess was already there. Um, he then said, "Like, listen, let me get this right with the let me go one more coach," and he went with Sean McVay. Um, and look where they are now. Uh, yeah, but also they've also just roster, drafted so well. Yeah, so. that roster is good, and the Jets isn't. <laughs> the Jets have hit, and I use hit with air quotes because I don't know if Leonard Williams is a hit yet on three first rounders, and you can't even say three because we don't know if Sam Darnold's a hit yet either. Wow. So all you've really hit on you is one it. first. <laughs> all you've really hit on is one first-rounder in Jamal Adams who we know is a stud. Yeah. And that's it. That's the only draft pick in all the years Mike McCagan's been here, three or four years now, that he has hit on. Yeah. Not Can you name me another pick that he's hit on? Was Chris Herndon a pick? Yeah. Because that's probably the second-best pick they've made. Uh, that's pathetic. I can't even say it. That was it. Yeah. this year. That was this year, man. Listen, it's better than last year. Um, all right, so maybe. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. They might have say to. This. Go ahead, say it. This man spent a second round draft pick on <laughs> Christian fucking Hackenberg. I think Jesse was out then on McCagnin. That the guy Jesse saw up front in personal 
uh, in college and knew this guy's not a head, this guy's not a professional quarterback. Um, And I apologize for cursing again, but I mean, Christian Hackenberg, you spent a second rounder on him. The man just got cut by the Bengals on the practice squad. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I have no arguments here, especially. No, you know, firsthand, (laughs) you would know way better than I would have back Christian Hackenberg. I I watched him for three years and I was totally in and then totally out. And then, continued to be out when he was on the Jets. It He has to go. To answer your question, he has to so go So they got to well. clean all the way out. Okay. They got to clean, clean house, house all the way. Clean house all the way. Um, Christopher Johnson, you know what to do, my man. And they have a ton of cap space going into the— 100 mil. Okay. Yes, $100 million. So— Spend it right. A new coach, a new GM that knows how to spend. All right, I'm in. Uh, we'll see. We'll see we're I smart hate, enough to do this. At least they, they hopefully have the quarterback— uh, squared away, so they don't have to go out and get that too. Um, last thing about the Dolphins, they're five and four, like inexplicably five and four, especially Six after what I watched on Sunday. Um, they started out three and zero. Oh. They did start out three and zero. Oh. So right. they're one. And, they're one and four in their last. In their uh, they're two and two and four in their last six. Yeah, um, I know. I just they've they got, got like good wins on their schedule the too. Yeah, but like they're not good. Like they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, Brock- Jesse. They're not good. Um, but they might make the playoffs. Okay, all right. Well, you know what? Maybe they do make the playoffs, but they're going to lose in the, in the wild card game. I agree. Get- well, that's my question. So let me read the rest of their schedule, and we'll do we'll play the win-loss game. All right? At Green Bay. Loss. At Indy. Loss. In a close one, loss. The Jets beat Indy, dude. So? Okay, they're gonna that's lose. fair. They're going to lose. They, they, they just lost a bunch of players. Like, they're hurt. Their secondary is in shambles. And... Albert Wilson seems like it was a, a devastating blow to them, even though they did just win a football game. Uh, at Buffalo. Oh, excuse me. They won, a, they won a football game 13-6, to six, by the way. Uh, and and, and the, they, the, the, the touchdown they scored was a pick six. So, Well, speaking of which, home against Buffalo. That's a win. <laughs> home against New England. It's a loss. Are we sure? Positive. Uh, the Patriots are due to have one Never bad against the Dolphins every year. Never. I will put a year's salary on the Patriots that game. I won't take that bet, but I am That's intrigued by a dinner bet on that game. Um, <laughs> at Minnesota. Loss. Uh, home for Jacksonville. Loss. Jesse, Blake Bortles. Jacksonville isn't traveling, and they don't have a home crowd in Miami, all right? Like, <laughs> there's no home field advantage in Miami. I'm just saying Jacksonville has Blake Bortles. Who cares? He's better than Tannehill and, uh, and Osweiler. I would say Tannehill's better than Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles I, I am, is horrible. I, 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 you know, I, I think I, I consider Tannehill and, and Bortles on the same level, to be honest. That's fair. Um, but, like, I mean, Tannehill. on any given day, Bortles can be way better than Tannehill. And vice versa, but okay. I'm not gonna argue, spend much time arguing. And, but Jacksonville is just a better team. Be better. Their, de- their defense is good enough to win them that game. Look, and it's I not agree. A, it, it ain't a true road game. We've talked about this. Jacksonville with Teddy Bridgewater would be a Super Bowl contender. I just, yeah. you know, here we are. They're three and five through eight weeks. Um, at Buffalo to end the season. So you have them winning two more games the rest of the year. Lost. I think Josh Allen will be back by then. Okay. Um. So you have them also. So you only have them winning one more game the rest of the year. 
They stink. Okay. They stink. I think there's a possible four more wins on this. They could go nine to seven. Like that's you my think point. You're gonna beat the Pats? No, 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 no. That's not one of the wins. I'm saying at Indy, the two Buffalo games in Jacksonville at home. Nope. Dude, but that's my Miami. point. Is that they go nine and seven? They have the tiebreaker with the Titans, and that could be the nine. That could be the sixth and final playoff spot. Not, not buying it. Not okay. buying it. All right. No, I'm not. Look, I don't think the Dolphins are good. They just barely beat the Jets on Sunday. But I think Adam Gase is a good coach, and as a result. Football happy like we just saw the Titans make the playoffs last year. So. Yeah, you're right. Football is weird. So um, okay. Speaking of the Buffalo Bills, Jesse, that's Jesse. who the Jets play on Sunday, and it might uh, even yeah, be baby. with Josh McCown as a starting quarterback. Um, the Bills. Give me Davis Webb. Give me Davis Webb, huh? I'm down How about that. That would be awesome. The Bills are two and seven. Uh, their quarterbacks situation. Uh, how many touchdowns? I think I already said this. How many touchdowns have they scored this year? That's you're gonna be your guessing game for today. How many touchdowns do you think they've scored today? Seven. Uh, the Bills quarterbacks have thrown for three touchdowns this year, <laughs> and Yikes. they've thrown they've sixteen run, I, interceptions. I feel like Josh Allen's run for a few though. He ran for one. Uh, he's run for two. The yeah. point is, the Bills have scored seven touchdowns this year. Yeah, not great. It's it's one of the worst offenses ever, and so. The only thing saving that coach's job is their defense. And and for that reason, I am picking Buffalo to win this game. I Okay, so this is going to sound terrible. I'm kind of rooting for Buffalo to win this game because I, then I am too. If they lose, if the Jets lose to Nathan Peterman or Derek Anderson at home uh and are 3 and 7 going into the bye, Bowles is out. Like, yeah, no, Bowles I, and I, Bates I, are out. I am all in on. I am. I am circling the wagons, just like the Buffalo Bills. Uh-huh. I am. I am all in on Buffalo beating the Jets this week and getting Bulls all the way out of New Jersey. Just get them as far away as possible, and hopefully soon after that, you send Mike McCagnan back to Texas and oh, you just start everything over again. Uh, the Bills' defense right now, I like. When you look at their stats, they actually have like a top ten defense. Uh, they're third in uh, yards per game. The Bills' defense, third in passing yards per game. Uh, yeah, they have. This is a team that made the playoffs last year. You know, yeah, people forget that. Oh you shit, know, this, they did make the that game against Jacksonville. Oh my god, the Bills made the playoffs last year. The Bills made the playoffs last year. That, uh, I, I keep saying they have a good. They have actually a, happened. They have a number. They have a true number one cornerback in Tre'Davious White, um, who is just. Awesome. Um, now, it's, it's, I'm seeing an injury. I was going to mention Tremaine Edmonds, too. It looks like he's questionable, um, but he's really good. Um, I, I just don't see Jets wide receivers getting separation on this defense at all because <laughs> they couldn't do it against Miami, and that defense isn't as good as the Bills. Uh, I mean, people forget the Bills beat the the Bills beat the, uh, the Vikings. And by the way, I... Um, I said I was most worried about Brock Osler, Osweiler that last week. Yeah. Right? By the way, Jesse, Mister, it's going to be a high-scoring loss. That was bad. Uh, that yeah, was bad. I called but that being one. Worried easily. about Brock Osweiler wasn't. I'm going to spin zone it here because uh, he didn't turn the it. ball over. So, so the Jets were the Jets. Again, the Jets Adam lost. Gase did that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? 
he still he still was the one throwing the ball. So right. I don't take a full. I'm not taking a full L there. Uh, but for, <laughs> but for this one, I am picking the Buffalo Bills. I, I think that I think that Nate. I yeah. Go ahead, say it. No, Go ahead I, and say it, Jesse. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. And I I, I It's just the it's it's the Jets fan in me wanting to get rid of Todd Bowles that's uh-huh. making me say that I'm picking the Bills. Um, but right, like, but you're about to say Nathan Peterman's name and say, but look the, out. But the rational, but the <laughs> rational person in me, the, the, the realist in me knows that Nathan Peterman's probably going to turn the ball over three or four times against the Jets defense this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, cause yes, they didn't turn over Brock Osweiler, but if there's anybody that's worse than Brock Osweiler in the NFL, it is most certainly Nathan Peterman. <laughs> so the it's only, bad. the only hope for the Jets to lose this game. And yes, I say hope is Josh McCown um, is who we thought he was. I mean, this guy's been on like 20 different teams for a reason because he kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> he's, he'll be a good quarterbacks coach because uh, most bad players are good coaches. Um, you know, but <sighs> I actually saw a take out there that they should make Josh McCown the offensive coordinator. And I just, that's where we are with this team right now. That. Ooh. People what? are suggesting oh, the backup quarterback. Exactly. That was my point. That guy's never oh, called a – well, the only – the spin zone was that he's called plays for a 14-year career as a quarterback, so he which must coach, know good plays. Which coaches has trusted Josh McCown to change the play at the line of scrimmage? But that's the <laughs> uh, that's the obviously obvious counter to that. Um, like, <laughs> I forget who, who tweeted this out, but it was – like Nathan Peterman, how bad he is. Um, we are currently in this season watching three of the best quarterbacks of all time: Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady play at a high level. Oh, you spelled Patrick Mahomes wrong. Well, okay, wait for wait for it. We're also seeing probably the greatest first year for a quarterback ever, and we're seeing the worst quarterback of all time. All, all, of, the, one- all of it's happening in the same season. <laughs> that is amazing. Like, say what um, you want about what last year and every like how the president was commenting how the ratings are down. Like, the ratings are up and football's back. Oh, yeah, yeah, this football. has been an incredible season outside of the fact that the Jets are three and six and headed toward another top ten pick. Hey, I mean, if you listen to Merrill Hodge, football is football is under attack. All right, and we got to defend right. the shield as as big J as big J journalists. All right. <laughs> we have to defend the shield. Uh, like I all, am a broadcaster, like all... not a journalist. So take that. <laughs> all right. On. Well, as a, well, you as a are broadca- actually a big J journalist. Yes, so. I actually am a big J journalist covering uh, football down here. Southern Miss football. Shout how, out Nick Mullen. How late was your night last night with the elections? Sorry to get off topic, but no, no. Up anyway. Uh, it, well, it wasn't too late at all. I, I got home like around 10 or 11. Which is like um, which, midnight our time. Okay. So I had to drive to the coast. Uh, Congressman Steve Palazzo. He won in like a landslide. Uh, it's Mississippi. The state's red. So did you uh, go to that? I was at his watch party. Okay. I was at his watch party. Um, he was having a a wonderful time with his family and friends. Uh, I got Obviously. a quick interview and I went home. That was that was all I did. So you only had to cover the Mississippi part of the the election coverage. You didn't necessarily have to cover the entirety of the midterms no no that's okay. for uh 
That's for the anchors that that cover news. Well, if we're still doing this sports. show in two years, Jesse, which you know, I hope so. Um, yeah, I I look forward to talking to you the day after the other election. <laughs> oh yeah, two years <laughs> two years ago for me was not a fun. I spent all night mm-hmm. the night Donald Trump got elected in a radio booth about like I'd say like seven feet by like nine feet with three other people, no central air. Oh, yikes. Breaking down how the our, this worst, <laughs> our worst fears coming to life. Like there were kids crying. Like it was, it was a mess, man. I, I do remember, not have to go through that again. I remember leaving, leaving the poll, like the, the polling place at six after work going home and just passing out like i was exhausted because we had a we had the Knicks podcast i recorded the the day before so i was up late editing it and then i woke up around midnight and was like oh let me check the let me see how hillary's victory speech which she's happened if, if they've called it yet and the sheer shock of oh my god like they still hadn't called it but it's like he had just won florida and now it was becoming evident, like, ah, oh, this is happening. Like, this is going to happen. And I just didn't go to bed. Like, I just went to work. It went early. And it's like, uh, uh I'm not sleeping. This is a new America that we live in. Here we, this is how bad the Jets are. We have now rambled into an election conversation. Oh, my God. Uh, Jesus Christ. Another person I wish we could vote out, uh, Todd Bowles and Jeremy Bates and Mike McCagnan, I guess. Um, Jets Bills on Sunday. And then we got the bye week. Um... Thank God! Oh my God! At the thank I'm ready God. for the bye. I'm ready for the bye week. Oh my goodness! Uh, Jet fans, I wish I could say there's something to be positive about the defense. That's what I'll just keep pointing to. The defense does look really good. They're not turning the ball over when they're not getting turnovers. I again, Jert, Adam Gase decided like, I'm not letting Bross Iowa throw the ball downfield in the second half. But you know. At the same time, the defense has played very well this season, and they do have it looks like a leader in in Jamal Adams. So, we'll hey, see. Well, a leader who's going to go to the Cowboys in twenty twenty. Don't you even joke about that, Jesse? It's I am so broken. Um, <laughs> well, we do. Like, we did just bring politics into this show. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um. All right. I think that wraps it up. Um. This has been the Jet Stream, the official New York Jets podcast of Gotham Sports Network. If you dig the show, head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Check out Gotham at GothamSN on Twitter. Uh, and GothamSN.com has all our daily blogs, articles, and more. Uh, we have new podcasts also dropping this week. The Giants podcasts. Uh, Ethan and Weiss did their draft grades. Oh, excuse me, their bi-week grades. So their mid-season. I mean, a lot of Fs, most likely, on a 1-7 <laughs> football team. Uh, but the, the, they have a podcast that drops actually... Uh, the same time as this one. Uh, I did a show on Monday night. So it technically was a quick one for me, but I did an interview this summer with an author named Ian Thompson. He's a longtime Sports Illustrated writer. Um, and he did a book called The Soul of Basketball, How Kobe, LeBron, Dirk, and Doc Saved the NBA. It's all about the, uh, the, the decision, LeBron's decision to leave Cleveland, all the way through to the following NBA Finals where he lost to Dirk Nowitzki, and it was one of the best reads I had during the summer. If you want to hear 
about Ian's uh, uh, a lot of behind the scenes and how he wrote the book and a lot of the conversations he had with the people in it. Check out that on an episode of Nothing But Nicks. What's up, Jesse? Oh, I thought Nothing. you had a question. I thought you had a question. No, no. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of content out there for you. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, after a loss. Hopefully. Oh, no, no, no. Here's where I'll spin it. Hopefully with the new head coach. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Hopefully, Hopefully by this talking. time. We have a bye week special next week. We're going to we're gonna talk about the we'll, – we'll do grades and stuff, and we'll hopully have a coach. <laughs> hopefully it's not – thankfully it's yeah, not with a 1-7 and seven team. It might be with a 3-7 and seven team, though. Hopefully it's 3-7 and seven with a new coach and GM. There you go. Jesse, you be good, buddy. You too, my man. Take care of Jets fans. And as we always end it, J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs>